0: If you would, turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 21, as we continue in our series, really this walk through Exodus, and even now as we're kind of continuing on, understanding more about the law and what's been given to us in this way, we see in these texts in particular that God brings order to chaos. Because he brings not just law, but law and order. So, law was really brought in the Ten Commandments, right? And so now there's the order of things. How does that play out? How does that flesh out? Uh, Last week, Jerry said that he loves bringing order to chaos. And what he really meant is that he likes bringing order to Chad. That's... Very true. And Julie just nodded her head in agreement. So uh, yeah, so, so in this, what we see is that, that God designed a legal system in which the punishment should fit the crime. Right? So so he's gonna lay out the, the law, which we find again in uh, the, the Ten Commandments themselves, and then as he helps us kind of flesh that out with uh, the different expectations from that. Oh, okay, when this happens, what should happen in response to that? And so, again, uh, we've said this before, but you're kind of thinking of this now, given to like the judges, so that when they are doling out the punishment for the crime that was committed, that they have, a, have an idea. So he's he's designed this punishment that fits the crime so that his people will be able to live in harmony with the community around them. Have you ever thought about our responsibility to live in harmony with the community around us? That We have this distinct charge as the people of God to live in harmony with those around us. I think sometimes in our desire, our right desire even, to look different than the world, we can ostracize others in such a way that we end up creating harm instead of harmony. Right? Yes, we ought to look different and act different and sound different. But what this is going, this text in particular, I think actually shows us is that God's law and order brings a settling to things that ought to instead bring a greater harmony than harm. We'll look particularly at these property laws. This is described as laws about restitution, but it's really about property. And you got to remember that These laws are particularly important because these people who are hearing them had previously owned little to no property, right? Remember, they were slaves. They were enslaved and had very little, if anything, that was to be called their own, and now they have things that are their own. And so how they interact with others as they have... Potentially have things stolen, things taken, things quote unquote borrowed. So these laws kind of bring us back to the law do not steal, connect us to commandment number eight in that way. So instead of uh, reading the whole text in its entirety, I want to read it a little bit at a, a time, but we'll be in Exodus 21. So these are different property restitution laws to keep. So this is an expectation then for the people of God to have these different property restitution laws uh, that they should uphold and keep. And and they're going to address several different, uh, like in in this one section, it's just called laws about restitution. But what you'll find is that they're kind of broken down into a few different categories even within them. So we'll start in verse 33 when we'll see a law regarding irresponsible action. A law regarding irresponsible action. Look at verse 33 and follow. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his when one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. How many times have you read Exodus 21, 33 through 36 and thought, so glad that's there. So insightful to me, for my ox falling in a pit, right? If you're like me, you don't own an ox. I also don't own a pit. Okay, so uh, it's possible that you can read this kind of thing. Try to even why does this matter at all? And we'll we'll get there. I promise. So so let's try to to see it as they would have seen it and try to understand it in that way, and then get to how it connects to us, but basically the owner doesn't get to simply shrug his shoulders and say, well, I didn't know, right? Whether it's the owner of the pit who basically digs a giant hole and doesn't, doesn't cover it, doesn't let it be known, kind of put the cones out, right? Put the big orange barrels out, say like, don't go here, you know, the little yellow caution wet Signs Don't step here. They're not doing any of that. So you don't get to just dig a hole and then, oops, something died inside it. Like, like you should pay more attention. You don't, you don't get to do that. You don't get to just play the ignorant card when, when it, it's describing uh, when one man's ox butts another so that it dies. Right? If you knew that the ox had been accustomed to this kind of, man, this was a, a mean ox. You know what I'm saying? Like, Uh, Again, maybe you don't have an ox, but uh, you got a a mean cat. Every cat is mean, so you probably have that one. Uh, Oh, I know. I just, I just, I did it very... I was going to say I'm sorry. I'm kind of sorry. Just go with me, okay? Like, you you have a mean animal, and in that, like, you can't just say, oh, I didn't know. He's only mean to people, all right? Or he's only mean to... All the other creatures on the planet right you don't just get to play the ignorant card he, he was in fact the owner in this case was actually being irresponsible. now, now why is this important? you see if, if this matters in digging a hole that you don't cover up or, or protect people from or if you know of this overzealous ox, wouldn't we deduce that that also makes sense in our life when our tree falls on our neighbor's house and when the, the suggestion is that we do not pass the buck or shift the blame, but instead that we would take responsibility for what we cause. Now, it certainly could be an accident, right? But we've got to hold on to not shifting blame because we're going to get to that in fact when we will connect in in just a few minutes this text to something in the New Testament. So remember, don't shift blame. Don't, Don't play the ignorant card. Don't Deny that this really happened. Don't just pretend that the hole wasn't there, that you didn't dig it. Don't pretend that you didn't know about your mean ox, right? So this is a law re- regarding irresponsible action and how restitution should happen from that. In addition, there's a law regarding theft. Right. Look at uh, chapter 22, <clears throat> verses 1 through 6. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall pay five oxen for an oxen, four sheep for a sheep. Time out. No idea what the significance of five oxen or four sheep. Don't get caught up in why five and four instead of five and five or four and four. It's just abundant more, right? Okay, so. Verse 2, if a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he is nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If the stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or a vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in his own vineyard. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, he started the fire. He who started the fire shall make full restitution. All right. So this is. This is a lot of different stuff in a few different verses. All these different scenarios or or kind of hypothetical situations. Some of these make you wonder, uh, was this written because it happened? And so, like, they are, uh, okay, remember that situation that happened? Now you know what the answer to it is? Or because they were just trying to think of all the situations? But but this one, verse 2, if a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies... There shall be no blood guilt for him unless, but if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. If you are wondering what that means, if it's dark and you accidentally kill the man who is breaking in your house, you are not getting the death penalty. That's the idea, right? When it says, if he breaks in, there's no blood guilt. This is uh, this is meaning that you, it was not premeditated murder, right? This was kind of out of self-protection. You're trying to, to guard whatever happens and you can't even see the person because it's dark, right? It's not like you can just flip on the light switch. And But if the sun has risen, that means that you're watching what's happening and your response is out of anger, out of like you've thought through it and you're acting out of anger, then that penalty would fit that crime. And notice how all these different types of thievery. Again, if if you let your uh, your ox, your donkey, your sheep feed on someone else's land, then like, you have to pay them back in land, in grain. In fact, you have to pay them more. This this makes sense, right? You pay back not just what was taken, but that and more. You burn down a field, even if it was an accident. Like you're having one of those burn your trash days, and you burn your burn pile, catches their whole field of grain on fire. That's your fault. Again. These kinds of laws might seem obvious to us, but if, if they've never experienced having land, that they've gone generations without having grain to grow, right? Anything that they would have been making would have been the Egyptians, right? So if there was, and Ah, because of the way the pharaohs worked, they didn't write laws down. You, you can, it is very hard to find any ancient Egyptian law written because the pharaoh wanted to be able to change it whenever it fit his setting. However, it, it was better for him. So he would just speak it and then the next pharaoh could just change it if it fit him better to, to do something different. So they never wrote those laws down. Even this act of God giving his people laws would have been a, a declaration that kind of what he says goes. And you can count on him not changing. He's etching these laws in stone. Right? The, the Ten Commandments, that's a, this is a whole different kind of picture. And so these laws regarding theft, which obviously if somebody takes something from you, somebody eats your grain, you should pay them back. But the idea of restitution is not simply to bring it to breaking even. When you cause someone harm in this way, the, the intent is that you go to even and beyond. Not just to enough. And no, that was inconvenient for you that your entire field burned to the ground. So I'll give you the same amount. No, no. Four times as much. Four times the sheep. Five times the oxen. Now let's consider these law uh, laws about regarding loans. Like in verse verses seven through fifteen. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe, and it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for, uh, for an ox, or for a donkey, for a sheep, for a cloak, for, or for any kind of lost thing, of which one says, this is it, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey, or an ox, or a sheep, or a beast to keep safe and it dies, or is injured, or is driven away, without anyone seeing it. Oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath, and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner. If it is torn by beast, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn. If a man borrows anything of his neighbor and it is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If it was hired, it came for its hiring fee. Okay, here's here's what's taking place in all of this uh, language here. There are times in which someone either uh, asks for their neighbor to hold on to something while they're, imagine going away for the weekend, right? Hold on to this, or, or there's, a, there's a need I have. I can't t- keep this right now. am not able to provide for it. Will you just, will you watch it for the next little while, and, or there's a, a sense of borrowing. Like, will you lend that to me? Can I borrow your ox or your donkey or your sheep for a period of time? And then either something bad happens to it or it's intentional that something bad happens to it. And so it's, they, they used, a, it, it must have been stolen. It's, it's no longer here because that sheep is in my belly. Right? Like the, those kind of uh, ideas that you just claim it was stolen when it was never really stolen. You well, know, some laws we read and we think, well, this one does not apply to us. And, and certainly, I would guess that most of this does not specifically apply to us. We don't lend, we don't, like, ask people to hold on to our jacket for a while, right? Hold on to our cloak in this way. But I think some things that we, that happen to us this way, we you ever borrowed something and then you just, you don't ever unborrow it. It just stays in your garage forever. And uh, I will confess to this, uh, this happens sometimes with like son-in-laws. You borrow something from your father-in-law and then turns out you're still pressure washing your driveway with that thing that you borrowed six years ago. Right, right. Uh, you 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 borrow that tool or that thing that you need from your dad or your granddad or whatever, and then it just oh I thought it was mine now, right? Uh, what this is intending is is not just those family uh, things where dad is happy to let you borrow that or have that or he he happy to just buy you one whatever the thing is, but it's also the idea that we don't take from people that which is not ours. And then claim it to be ours. In fact, the idea is that you don't take something at all. That sure you can borrow each other's stuff, but you don't. When it when it breaks, that's on you, right? You don't just say, like, "Oh, sorry." Th- these are the these are the kinds of laws that become important because all of the Kind of what seems plain and simple about the Ten Commandments, in these fleshing out of laws is saying, here's how you're going to stay in harmony with each other. Can't you see how in all of these different laws that are being described, things can start to get really nitpicky? Well, you didn't do that the way I thought you were go into well, you didn't let me have that. You you didn't really let me borrow it the way I thought you were going to let me borrow it. You started that fire, and you didn't put it out. You dug that ditch, and you didn't show me. You didn't put a cone out. You didn't do this thing. You didn't do that thing. And then the next thing you know, what, what should be a harmonious relationship is now all out of sorts. And what happened with your ox and my oxen? Your dog and my dog, and what happened on your property, and what happened on my property, and everything starts to become yours and mine, and it starts to get really, really agitated at each other. So, God is giving these laws of restitution to help give the people of God the of the pathway to have right, rest, right, right relationship, right restorative relationship with one another. Now, there are different possible responses when laws are broken, right? I mean, when you think about any of these laws that are broken, you, you can respond to them in different ways. I want, to, I want to have us move to the New Testament for just a minute. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. So Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's going to be the New Testament. This is uh, the gospel account given to us by Luke about Jesus and his time here on earth. So in Luke chapter 19... Jesus, this is, this is going to be a pretty familiar story for some of us, maybe who grew up in church, this might be one you've heard before. And so here's here's how this goes. In chapter nineteen, beginning verse one: He, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. I'm not sure which translation it is, but I think others would say, a wee little man was he. <laughs> so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw it and said to him, Zacchaeus, Jesus said to him today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So there's a lot of backstory that we may not be able to get into entirely but Zacchaeus being a tax collector was one who even described as a chief tax collector was kind of like uh, at the top of the the pyramid scheme. Right? So not only was he the one cheating others but he was getting other people to cheat others on his behalf that he might get their extras also. Okay? This is this is what he's doing. This is what he's, uh, the, the law he's clearly breaking. He's stealing from others. And Really, there's, there's a couple ways to, to look at this. Jesus had, by the, by the religious people, are thinking he should be talking to us. He should be spending time with us. But instead, he's going to ask this chief tax collector to come down from a tree, and go to his house, and have a party with him. And they are not happy. Verse 7 says... They saw it. They all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. It seems like in that moment, they are, I don't know if they're denying or their own sin or blaming someone else for sin that exists. But one possible response to breaking of law is to deny and blame. Right? They're, they're denying what's really going on in the situation. They make a bigger deal out of the fact that Jesus is with the sinners than that Jesus is in their presence at all. I, I think of this, when the first sin happens, how do they first respond to the breaking of law? It's blame. Immediate. It's passing the buck. Verse 8 of Genesis 3. You don't have to turn there, but it says, When I heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees The Lord God among the Lord among trees of the garden, but the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. I hid myself. So God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man did not say yes. He says, the woman whom you gave, she gave me fruit, and I ate it. So the Lord God says to the woman, why have you done this? She doesn't say, I'm sorry, Lord. I did that thing you told me I wasn't supposed to. She says, the serpent deceived me. I don't know if you noticed this, by the way. Adam gave two sources of blame. This woman who you gave me. Really, God, this is your fault. I don't don't know if that's ever happened to you, but that feels like really dangerous waters to be in. Both are problematic, shifting blame to someone else, something else, shifting blame to God himself. See, we don't have the authority to define the laws as we would like, nor do we have the authority to define the gospel as we think we would choose, who it goes to, how it impacts so here's here's the way Zacchaeus responds to receiving the gospel. Right? To the law that he knows he's broken. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't say, well, I was poor, so I needed more money, so I cheated. I stole. I, I denied the truth. I blamed. I he didn't pass the up. Verse 8. I find this interesting that it's in direct contrast to verse 7. Verse 8 says, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Do you notice that? That in the same way that God's law in the Old Testament was intended to show, that restitution wasn't just to be breaking even. It's not just to be okay. It's not just that you, you give back a sheep for a sheep. It's that you give four sheep for a sheep. It's that you give five ox for an ox. And so Zacchaeus, when he's given the gospel, when he's experiencing the very presence of Jesus, when he's... Confronted with the grace of God, he realizes that he hasn't been just brought to okay, but that because he is overflowing with grace, overflowing with the gift of salvation that he does not deserve. He says, Out of that, I'm going to give four times what I stole. I'm going to go more than just to okay more than just to breaking even. And this is what Jesus is about. How do we know? You know, there are some situations where certain people are in a place or a, a circumstance and you know exactly why they're there. Just imagine this scene with me. I'm standing right here, and or, or better yet, I'm standing right there, and there's a guy in a tuxedo to my left, and all of you are here, and those back two doors open, and a lady in a white dress starts coming down the aisle. You know what nobody thinks? Why is she here, right? Everybody in the room knows that we're at a wedding and the one in the white dress that's coming down this aisle is planning to get married to the guy in the tuxedo, right? Everybody knows that, no wonder. Why are you here, lady? Tap her on the shoulder, excuse me. We're at at a wedding. No, everybody knows, right? Jesus makes it very clear why he was here. So if there was a wonder, if there was a doubt, why why did Jesus come? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There's a lot in that one sentence that I would love to be able to talk about some other day. But the truth is this, that all of us have broken the law of God. Every single person. Now, we may not have broken the specific laws that we talked about today. You may not have dug a hole and not put a cone out. You you may not have burned down a field and not paid them back for it. You may not own an ox or a sheep for these laws to feel like they are connected to you specifically. But we've broken the law of God. This is, this is part of what sin, this is what sin is when we offend God by breaking his law. And so what Jesus did, when it says he came to seek and save the lost, We, by breaking the law of God, became lost. Without a a way to get out, we were trapped. And so he came to save us by giving himself for us. And the truth is that what he does for us is not just bring us to okay, he's not just bringing us to where it's all right. He takes us to this grace-filled cup that is overflowing with blessing to the place of salvation, to the place where we are restored, made new, made better than new. Even think about the baptism we just saw. The picture is you go from death as you were buried to life. Made new in Christ Jesus. What a picture for us. And, and that's what we see here. So, right? You can, you can be in this room today and you can decide, you know what? I'm just going to say that all that sin is somebody else's fault. Or you can deny it altogether. You can say, like, oh, I didn't really know. You can play the ignorant card. I, 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 don't, I, I mean, my sin's not that bad. It doesn't deserve eternal condemnation. I mean, come on, really? Did that thing I do really hurt God's feelings that bad? Is that what it is? You can deny it. You can blame other people. But the reality is you and I are sinners deserving of everlasting punishment from God. And that Jesus yet made a way for us. To know him. To to be restored. To be given grace, something good that you and I do not deserve. You see, Jesus, Jesus gave us himself. Because he never broke the law. Jesus doesn't just expose the gap That we have created by breaking his law. He bridges the gap by giving us his life. We, We see that there is a gap. Because we look at these laws and we realize we don't hold them up. like there's multiple options. He's made the way. The one and only way. And so, if you have never trusted in Jesus, then I would urge you to follow in the footsteps of our brother today. Live out that same testimony and today. Would you trust sin and yourself and your stuff and, and repent and would you would you see that the Lord will restore you not just to okay but to overflowing In just a minute when we stand to sing there will be some right here to my left love to talk to you about that. Again, maybe, maybe this is a new concept for you. Maybe this is something you have heard seemingly dozens of times and you, maybe today's just the day you're ready. Right? You're ready to trust in Jesus, to surrender your life to Him, to do that today. if you would take time to reflect. If you have areas in your life, maybe you've been denying that they are sin. Maybe you've been blaming. You know, sometimes you act out when you're stressed. You get angry. And so, that's what you're blaming. I'm just tired. You, You say things or... Speak in certain tones when intentions are high and so you say all oh, work is just getting at me so there's no apology, there's no repentance, you're just blaming something or someone else. Well if you didn't provoke me this way then I wouldn't do that. You're just denying blaming the truth. Right? So maybe your response today is to confess that to the Lord. Acknowledge those ways in which you aren't trusting him. And then maybe today your response is to give God the praise that he deserves for the fact that Jesus did make the way for you on the cross. That without him you'd be looking at a law that you broke